Hello, welcome to the Tech Stack. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, let me present a situation to you, one I'm sure we've all faced at some time. You're looking to make a payment from your mobile banking app, but something's wrong. There's been some kind of technical incident and the service is down. Frustrating, isn't it? But do you ever think about what's going on behind the scenes and the management of that incident from the engineers and the business? I can't even begin to think about where they start, but thankfully there are people on hand to resolve incidents like this, ultimately making the entire experience better for everyone and more reliable in the future. Uh, these can occur anywhere in the tech stack, and today we're going to learn more about the solutions with our guest Chris Evans, Technical Director of Platform and Reliability at Monzo Bank, and Co-Founder of Instant IO. Chris, hey, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Yeah, cheers. Well, uh, really looking forward to this one. Interesting subject matter. I think, first of all, be good for you to tell us about Instant IO and a, a bit of an outline about exactly what the, the product and company is. Yeah, so I guess I guess like the pithy one-liner for Incident IO is that we're building incident tooling that like an entire organization can engage with. So, um, you know, if you look at the tools that have existed before, so the likes of PagesUT and OpsGenie and, and various others, they're, they're sort of very engineering-centric. So they're all geared around, you know, something's broken, engineer needs to get involved and they need to, you know, fix the thing. And once the thing is fixed, there might be some sort of like loose kind of after the incident kind of uh, things that they help you with. But but generally speaking, that's the kind of the closed loop of those systems. Um, and the kind of what we're building with Incident IO is something where, you know, everyone from engineers to customer support people to, you know, people in like regulatory positions, risk and compliance folks and your execs, all get to kind of play on the same field. Um, and, you know, we've seen this work at Monzo where we have this kind of tooling in place place there. Um, and essentially what we're doing is taking a lot of the learnings that we've had and sort of from a place that we think is, you know, the future of, of, of how good incidents can be run and trying to bundle that up into a product that is kind of commoditized and anyone in, in the world can kind of install in minutes and get using. So I think in, in the past, there's been cases with uh, many, many companies where they, sort of silo business and technology apart from each other. Uh, I think we're seeing a shift in that, aren't we? Tech's becoming much more integral, but is this a point of what you guys are doing as well and making sure that whole instant management process is integral to the the, the business right from the very beginning? Yeah, I think 100%. So I think if you, exactly as you said, like it, it used to be the case that tech was sort of like a cost center. They were sort of, you know, we the tech department delivers some features and then the business takes over and manages those sorts of things. Um, and fundamentally, that's just not how businesses are run these days. So, you know, the very, very best businesses are the ones where, you know, technology is a differentiator and it is like core and fundamental to how the organization works. And and in those worlds, you, you, you just can't get by by having these silos where, you know, your customer support folks are dealing with customers. And then you've got another area where people are dealing with like engineering things and, and you know, it goes on like that. And essentially what 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 the best orgs can do is they can pull together in an incident which is essentially like the, the most kind of compressed and high pressure situation that many organizations will face and the very best companies you know your likes of netflix and your cloud flares and, and these ones you see the difference you see when when they have an incident the communication is clear uh that you know they're sharing public post-mortems after the fact and as a result of all of those things, the, you know, customers customers love them for it. And we saw this at Monzo. You know, I was involved in 
probably like the worst incident of my life, which was one where we were scaling up our, our database that sort of backs the entire bank. And as part of that, we had missed a very, very key setting. And the upshot of that is that we took various parts of the bank down for several hours. And it was it was horrendous during the moment, but it was kind of navigated in a very calm way. Um, and we, you know, released public postmortems after the fact, and like, we had an enormous amount of like good good support from our customers, and and sort of like trust engendered as a result of being very transparent about those failings and showing that we'd kind of done things right. Yeah, that must be very tricky for uh, a business like Monzo as well. You know, a, a, a challenger bank. I'm not going to say they're in startup mode, but it's fairly young, aren't they? And uh Presumably, customers are relying on that that reliability and access to money as well. So, that must have been a very stressful day. One hundred percent. I think I think the interesting thing there is if you compare. So, there's all sorts of various internal things we have access to to see the sort of service levels of other banks as well. And Monzo Monzo was has never ever done any worse than any other bank. In in many regards, we've got incredible uptimes and incredible reliability. And it was a sort of a line we had to tread in the early days of like, how transparent should we be? You know, and we lent very hardly on the, if we are down, if we are having problems, we should we should be communicating that to our customers. We should be sort of relieving anxiety from them. And there are sort of similar situations and parallels in other bigger high street banks where we can clearly see that they are broken. They have no communication to their customers. If they happen to have a status page that is kind of public, it's like all good, all green, everything's fine, which is you know incredibly frustrating as a customer. Um, and and this is another thing that sort of we we've, we've tried to take those learnings from and, and apply into Incident IO. So public status pages typically are kind of an, an afterthought when you're dealing with an incident. You know you're sort of you're busy fixing the thing and you're trying to engage all your internal people, and then you've got this kind of product off to the side somewhere. And it often gets forgotten about. And if you do put something up, often people forget to then take it down. And so we sort of, you know, bring that much more tightly integrated into the whole incident kind of workflow with Incident IO. Yeah, I think people love those, don't they? I know when when the um, uh, Fastly network went down a couple of weeks back, and uh, you know, it's great to go on something like Down Detector, isn't it? And just have a look at what's actually being affected. And and you're you're right. If there's a a service, you know, with with your bank that just isn't working. Um, it's good to know they're there, isn't it? Just to see that there's an instant and that people are working on it. I think customer service uh, um, um, is, is a big thing, isn't it, in tech these days? Um, because it's not been forgotten about, but it hasn't always been the best for, for many industries. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think I think you see the difference. Um, and like, I'll, I'll lean on Monzo again, but like you see the difference here where something goes wrong and by basically being incredibly honest about it and giving people information that, that otherwise from another bank you might not get, it, it it's one of those things that can become a superpower for, for a company. You know, it, things are always going to go wrong. There is no way to escape failure, unfortunately, uh, mm-hmm. or certainly not that, that I've found. So really the best thing that an organization can do is go, well, we're going to accept that things will break. We're going to accept that things will fail. And we're going to like level up our response to that so that we are the very, very best company at responding about communicating and about building trust as a result of that. So obviously you've, you've, you've taken a lot of uh, lessons learned from, from Monzo and we should probably actually explain uh, for our audience as well that uh, you and your co-founders, Stephen and Pete, uh, that's, that's where you all met. Or, or did you meet before actually, if, uh, some of you? Um, no, so we, we did, <laughs> excuse me, we did meet um, at, at Monzo. Um, Pete and I actually randomly kind of met on Twitter before he even joined Monzo actually um, and 
we we met talking about incident tooling because I uh, just open sourced Monzo's um, sort of internal tool that we had that was sort of the precursor to incident IO. But but primarily, yeah, we were all um, engineers uh, at at Monzo. I still am at Monzo for the time being. Um, so uh, Pete uh, was a staff engineer there working in operations. So dealing with um, all of the tooling that our customer support folk use to communicate with customers. Stephen was working in financial crime there. So, you know, fighting off the baddies that are trying to steal people's money. Um, and I am currently the technical director of platform at Monzo. So sort of involved in all of the things that, you know, the technology that underpins the bank, making sure that we are reliable as an organization and, and that kind of thing. Um, we never actually kind of worked that closely together. Um, like we'd had one-on-ones and sort of knew each other sort of just through sort of, you know, being in the same place uh, at the same time. Um, but primarily where we ended up crossing paths was when things went wrong. Um, you know, so incident happened, various different teams all pulled into a, a channel to kind of coordinate. And then, you know, the, all the kind of wash up activities that happen after an incident. So, you know, your debriefs and going and figuring out what happened and talking to people about their perspectives, all those sorts of things. So uh, yeah, re really, that was that was kind of where we we most commonly interacted, um, and obviously a lot of those interactions were based around Monzo's tooling that was that was there for incidents, um, and that's sort of where the idea for Incident IO came from. It was essentially this is this is incredible tooling that you know all of us in our past lives in, in other companies have have not seen in in kind of incidents. So we've all been in places where incidents are chaotic, they are stressful, you know, you've got Slack channels ablaze, you've got, uh, you know, DMs happening everywhere, execs not in the loop, customers not being kept up to date. And this was the sort of first place where we'd all come together and seen, I guess, what, what we see as like incidents done right. Um, so yeah, that was sort of where it all came from. Oh, well, there's there's a question then. So when, in, in your in your view, what what is an incident done right then? And, and tell us, uh, I guess, in a bit more detail about how Instant IO, uh, you know, enables your clients to successfully manage an incident throughout the whole process before, what well, not before, but yeah, post-mortems as well. Yeah, uh, good, good question. So um, I think there's a few kind of core core things in incidents that I would see as the, the kind of critical components. And the first of those is communication. So, you know, incidents are as i said earlier like very very compressed very high pressure and the way that you navigate those things is with with with, with communication and so that's sort of like part one of how incident io helps we are we are not a sort of a tool that sits sits off to the side that you've got to go and and you know find and figure out how to use we sit right within the the kind of the product that most organizations are using for communication meet them where they are which is slack um so we sort of sit in there and and because of that that is the kind of common common substrate that that everyone in the company is part of you know there are not many tools in organizations that you can say this is one that the entire organization sits upon so you know you've got jiras and things like that which are engineering tools and you've got ServiceNow and whatever else it is that a, a, a company might use to deal with customers but you've got this kind of common component in the middle so that is like part one of where we where we kind of integrate with that and the second thing is that incidents work best when you're essentially you're essentially forming like an ephemeral team like a, you're, you're pulling people from various parts of an organization who may never have worked together and you are kind of the, the very best run incidents are the ones where they can form a kind of cohesive unit understand who's responsible for what understand who's in charge who can call the shots um, and then collaborate and work together to solve a problem 
and see it through to resolution. And then beyond that point, then figure out how they can maximize sort of extracting value from that incident. So something's gone wrong, you, you've paid that cost. And, and the best that you can do at that point is then try and extract all the value out of that incident. So maximizing the learnings so that people are better prepared for future incidents or that similar recurrences don't happen, or even just that the right expertise has been sort of developed and shared across an organization as a result. So there's a, uh, clearly, uh, uh, and as anyone would expect, there's a lot of human interaction at this point. Um, but what about the technology side as well? Is there is there an element of automation to incident management? Yeah, so maybe I can walk through just how how an incident IO incident actually works. Yeah, that'd be great. So so um, as I mentioned, um, everything is built into Slack, um, and so you can kick off an incident by using a single slash command or by clicking on a message and and sort of triggering a, an incident off the back of that. Um, and then what will happen at that point is we will pop up a, a kind of a modal, so like a dialogue box, which allows you to sort of input some sort of basic details. So if you know what's going going on at that point, you can add sort of a, a headline to that that incident. You can choose a severity if if you sort of know or or, or want to to apply that at that point. And then once you submit that, we essentially announce that there has been an incident in a central uh, incidents channel. And that's sort of your stream of everything that's going on across the company. So sort of your finger on the pulse, if you like. And then what we also do is create you a, um, a dedicated channel for that incident. And that is the sort of the, the digital equivalent of what might have been called a war room or an incident room in the past. And essentially, that is the, the space for this incident. That's where all the, <laughs> the communication can happen. And then inside of that channel, we then put at your fingertips all of the kind of tools that you otherwise need during an incident. So, you know, we will plug into PagerDuty, to OpsGenie, to Jira, to you know, all, all the kind of various other tools, status page. And then from within Slack, without having to go anywhere, you can control all of those different tools. So, you know, you might want to escalate to pull in person from specific team that, you know, can help out in the incident. And mm -hmm. the old way of doing that would be cool. I will go out to PagerDuty, a tool that I use only when things go wrong and are quite severe and have to try and navigate the, the UI there. Remember my login for that. Um, probably only going to be engineers on there because it's a very engineering focused tool. Um, and what we do is we allow you to go, you know, slash incident escalate, you get a nice little dialogue pop up and you get to choose who you want, what you need. We'll go off and fetch them and then we'll bring back into Slack and say, hey, we've we phoned them, we've sent them an SMS and they've acknowledged and sort of give you all those updates at your fingertips. So it sounds, uh, I, I want to use the word, less cluttered in, in a way. Um, the, the organization there is, is just um, much easier to manage. Yeah, I mean, there are things we can't do, right? So we we can't currently help you fix your incident. That is that is something that is going to be specific to everyone's domain and whatever is going wrong. But what we can do is we can make absolutely everything else that happens in an incident incredibly consistent. And we can put everything you need at your fingertips in the most low friction way. So, you know, again, other things that we allow you to do are, you know, common things you need to do. You have this ephemeral team that have all assembled around a problem and you want to kind of dish out action. So, you know, historically, that would be, you know, firing messages at people. And then you've got to kind of keep track of mentally what's going on and who's looking at what and what status it's in. And again, so we can do a slash incident action. You can then log, you know, update the status page or check the logs for server X or reboot server Y. Um, and you can assign those to people. You can request that someone picks something up. And you've now got a canonical kind of source of truth of everything that's going on across that incident. So everyone's on the same page. Anyone joining can go, well, what can I pick up to help? Who's doing what that I can maybe jump in on? And it's all of those sorts of things that just essentially, like if you look at 
what organizations are doing without this kind of tooling they're kind of doing this stuff they're just doing it really poorly and it's kind of high cognitive load during an incident which is the very very last thing you want anyone to be thinking about like i mean i've, I've been in places where we've had like complicated incident processes and they've been written down on paper and they just they just don't survive contact with reality you know you get in an incident and there's no one consulting the flow chart for who i need to go and get at what point and when and what thing yeah. to update and all those things should just be not things that people have to think about and what about the tech driving the platform i'm sure people will be interested to learn what your architecture looks like yeah so um it's a relatively simple story here actually our, our platform that kind of underpins the, the product is is sort of quite boring deliberately so um, so largely speaking, we have gone with Heroku as the kind of the foundational layer for that. So, you know, if we look at the, the kind of topology of the architecture, what we have is, you know, um, an, an app that's made up of a few different services that essentially Slack integrates with. Um, and then we have a, a web front end and all of those kind of backing components there just live, live in Heroku, you know, multiple replicas of those things. So it's resilient to failure. Um, and then we sort of sparingly use some components from um, Google Cloud as well. So we're using things like PubSub for asynchronous work um, and cloud storage there and, and BigQuery for analytics. Um, and essentially, like I guess the, the choices for, for why we ended up in this place. Um, so we've all come from Monzo where I would say it's probably, and I'm biased here, uh, the best platform for engineers that I've ever kind of worked with. So, you know, a good example is I can write a new microservice at Monzo. I can have it shipped to production in minutes and and sort of working, and then I can iterate on that. And I have these very, very fast cycle times. And as a result of that, Monzo ships to production in the order of like 80 to 100 times every single day. Um, and so that experience is exactly what we wanted, but Monzo's experience has come with a cost of, you know, needing a platform team and it has not kind of come about overnight. Um, and so, what we basically wanted is, as I said, that experience, none of the effort. And so everything we have is like 100% serverless. We don't have a single server that we have to care about patching or you know dealing with vulnerabilities for. That's mm -hmm. all managed by Heroku and Google. Um, but we have pretty much close to that experience. So we you know can ship to production incredibly quickly. Merging a PR is enough to kick off all the pipelines that gets things through. And so as developers building a product, we can kind of focus on the things that we really care about, which is, you know, your your business logic and your features and and those sorts of things and you know because of all of that we can have customers who give us feedback at sort of 9 a.m in the morning and by 10 a.m we've turned that round and that's shipped to production and it's like it's like the number one thing that we love doing or one of the number one things we love doing is like a customer gives us really good suggestion we can swarm on it if it's you know something we can pick up quickly and have it sort of turned around really quickly and and because of that like i think customers are sort of really loving the product basically and, and dealing with us are you uh, constantly liaising with your your clients uh, on these processes and and how your platform should look and, and maybe better features moving forward to to ensure that you guys are, are still relevant and playing your part as best as possible yes <clears throat> so i think i think for us like customer feedback is like right now the number one thing so we have a heap of experience between the three of us on on running things well, but we we've equally been in you know a small number of companies compared to you know the, the sort of vast ecosystem of people out there. So every customer that we we kind of engage gets a dedicated Slack channel into into our Slack workspace, and honestly, the, we have made so many improvements off the back of people giving us incredibly useful feedback. Um, I think I think there is also a 
you know, one of the key things we want to achieve with the product is we want to allow people to kind of imprint their own process on it. So we don't want to be, you know, mil militant and dogmatic about how incidents need to be run. We don't want to say, you know, you have to do it the incident IO way because there'll be a heap of people for whom that either puts them off because they they want to customize, you know, custom roles or whatever else it is, or for whom it's sort of the, the person who's choosing the tool, they don't have the choice over that sort of thing. So there's a fine line to be kind of tr sort of trod here where we are, you know, we want people to be able to customize enough but we don't want to end up in a world where, you know, we just become some sort of weird generic automation tool. You know, mm. you, you, we, we often often talk about like not falling into the Jira trap, which is, you know, Jira is like infinitely uh, infinitely configurable. So you can change every field and you can change exactly what needs to be there for everything. And you can have workflows and you can restrict things. But because of that, it is it is a nightmare to work with, and and like it's not consistent, and anywhere you go, it's it's hard, and it's sort of friction all over the place. So, so for us, we want to make it possible for people to basically customize how it looks and how it feels for their organization, but provide some sort of opinionated rails that are like, we you know, for example, we think it's important that an incident has a summary. We think that's a field that every single incident should have. We think incidents should have a concept of providing updates and actions and those sorts of things. But where it sort of differs will be things like, you know, certain people will want to have custom nudges in their incidents. They want to be able to say, you know, every 30 minutes, remind me to do X. Or if I've set my incident to be a type of why go and get this team Um that sort of thing. Yeah, well, uh, exciting time, and and sounds like you you guys are just going to be constantly innovating for a while. And uh, must must have been a, a busy eighteen months or so for you, balancing the the two jobs and new new company. How's that been? As well, dealing with the pandemic as well. Yeah, it, it's been it's been very full on. So essentially, you know, the three of us have formed this company while we've all been remote unable to kind of uh, get in the same same room which has been a, a little bit a little bit weird um you know starting a company there's just there's so much to talk about so much you know time you need to spend together and and time has been really where we were most constrained so you know the three of us our routine since the beginning of the year has pretty much been you know up 5 36 something like that work from then until 9 a.m uh, switch jobs into you know monzo mode go and do a full day of that I have kids, so they're me sort of, you know, feeding wow. bath and no, bed. No rest then at oh. all. No. <laughs> um, and then and then again, like a, a shift in the evening. But um, I mean, it, it's been incredible. Like it's been it's been a, a real pleasure working with like Pete and Stephen and sort of getting to work on a project that we're all like incredibly passionate about and then getting customers through the door and starting to get that kind of feedback. It's it's really not been not been hard to set those alarm clocks i think is the easiest way to summarize it you know i think that's always for me like a really good kind of barometer for how happy i am at a place of work when getting up doesn't feel like a chore and it's sort of like you, you know grab a coffee and get get you know headphones on and uh, mm. get cracking basically yeah absolutely i'm sure i think everyone can agree with that statement uh when you're in a job that you enjoy it's it's almost effortless isn't it so what's um uh, presumably you know we're not, not going to ask anything sensitive about clients and you, you may have some things you want to keep close to your chest but what is next or or, or the, the, the plan for the next few years for instant io uh yeah good question i mean right now our primary focus is on building instant tooling that works for you know small to medium-sized companies so this is you know 
organizations up to sort of 500 people. We think that's the sort of sweet spot for where the product is right now. Um, that's sort of, I guess, not at the exclusion of bigger companies, but I think we are just, uh, you know, laser focused on on that kind of segment for the time being. Um, the product is in really good shape right now. So it's the kind of thing someone can pick up and people are picking up and they are installing it and finding value from sort of day one. But as I said earlier, I think the, the sort of the big chunky remaining things for us are finding the right customization points, getting to the point where essentially an organization can install our, our application in, in a minute and then within the first five minutes have, you know, integrated with all of the providers that, that they use from every corner of the organization. So start branching out into tools that customer service folks need to use or risk and compliance folks need to use. And then within the first you know week have defined the rails that their company needs to follow or wants to follow during an incident so that you know from from that point on they're suddenly in a position where every incident is is sort of put on rails in a way that that things can be followed consistently and everyone understands what's going on and incidents are less stressful all of those sorts of things um to, to get us to a good point and then fundamentally, I guess what comes of that is that we've then for these kind of small to medium companies, we start to help develop a kind of a healthy incident culture. And like, I, I mean, I don't want to say that like incidents are like the next cloud, you know, in terms of how transformative they can be for, for, for businesses. But I genuinely do think that they are going to be the kind of thing that are, are seen and used as differentiators for companies. So, you know, we're in a world where like technology is is making things incredibly complex. Um, you know, it's going to be unavoidable for people to have things going wrong. And I think the very best very best companies will be those that can have things go wrong and use that to their advantage and get better and then absorb that complexity and then sort of rinse and repeat from then on kind of thing. Um, so yeah, basically we are laser focused on making sure that that is a possibility for companies. Great. Well, I, I, it sounds brilliant. And um, clearly it's, it's been a, a successful start to Instant IO's life already. And all the best for the future for Stephen and Pete as well. And um, if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you guys? So handily, product name is also the domain. So incident.io is the greatest place uh, to go and just pop your email in there, um, get on our sort of wait list and you can get the products installed pretty quickly too. Excellent. Chris, thank you very much. All the best for, for what's to come. Thanks very much. Great talking to you.